KMTT, Kimitzion Teitzei Torah, listening to the Arab Shabbat program, Arab Shabbat Kodesh, Parashat Bamidbar, Aleph Sivan, and I'm your host, Jonathan Snowbell. The Arab Shabbat program is Lilui Nishmat, Shalom Yosef Ben Chaim Shmuel. As always, a reminder, those of you who are interested in sending in comments or questions about the Arab Shabbat program are welcome to write to me at jsnowbell, S-N-O-W-B-E-L-L, at gmail.com. This past week was Yom Yerushalayim, a day which there's a lot to think about. It's a day that the chairman of the Knesset, Reuven Rivlin, pointed out that only the Kippots Rugot celebrate Yom Yerushalayim. And that gives us much pause to think about. It gives us much pause to think about in different directions. Why is... Why are the other communities within the State of Israel not interested in Yerushalayim? So the Haredi Tzibur is interested in Yerushalayim, but they have a problem with the whole... Zionist enterprise, and so they don't participate in these days, which is unfortunate because I don't know too many Haredim who are not who live in Israel who are not visiting the Kotel once in a while and to give thanksgiving to God for being having this opportunity seems to be an appropriate response. On the other hand, taking out the religious concept, the religious aspect, I reminded. Uh, my family group, my family Google group yesterday, that it's important to remember what what was before the Six Day War. As if we think about the Six Day War as a colonial conquest of the Jewish people in Arab lands, and that celebrating Yom Yerushalayim is insulting to the other side who are upset about losing their hold on Yerushalayim. Of course, the people who had to hold on Yerushalayim were the Jordanians, not the Palestinians. And the people who are t- making a claim to, to Yerushalayim today are the Palestinians, not the Jordanians. However, I'm not interested in the politics part. What I'm interested in is remembering that on the Arab of Yom Yerushalayim, the Arab of the, of, the, of the freeing of Yerushalayim, in 1967, we weren't talking about a war over Yerushalayim, we were talking about a war of survival. People in the country felt like uh, the next Holocaust, God forbid, was upon us. Mass graves were built in Tel Aviv to try to be prepared for the heavy toll of casualties that were gonna, was going to take place. My wife tells me of how her grandparents visited Israel when they were at the time living in the United States, subsequently they moved to Israel, they visited Israel on the eve of the war, and painters in Tel Aviv were begging them to take, not buy, take their paintings with them to save some sort of vestige of their existence. If their, a painting of theirs was taken back to America, then something of theirs would survive. And that was the feeling in the country. Therefore, in the same way, we celebrate independence with the secular community in Israel. 
it behooves the secular, secular community to recognize what was here before 1967, not a, a thriving Jewish state just without Jerusalem, but a Jewish state that was teetering on the brink of disaster and, and destruction, and somehow, and this is a, a hinted lesson that our survival depends on Jerusalem. If, if we were unclear if we were going to survive, so God gave us a survive, our survival with Jerusalem because our survival and our claim to the state of Israel is, and our claim to being here in this land somehow is interlinked to our claim to Jer- Jerusalem as well, to Jerusalem. All of this, I want to talk about something else that's gotten headlines. Headlines, of course, not in uh, Haaretz and Jerusalem Post these type of headlines, but headlines in smaller types of media, and that's the Alonai Shabbat, the famous Alonai Shabbat, uh, the, the publications that are printed out under the guise of Divrei Torah. Every Shabbat in shuls, which are mostly really just uh, ways of giving out ads to people, in any case, one of the better Alonai Shabbat is Shabbat B'Shabbato, which is produced here in Alon Shut. And one page at the back, written often by Rabbi Israel Rosen, the finder, founder of Machon Somet, who puts out the Alonai Shabbat. And <coughs> a fierce discussion this past week about the issue of whether Medinat Israel is the beginning of the blossoming of our redemption. And no, this is not a discussion between a national religious person and a secular person. And no, it's not a discussion between a national religious person and a Haredi person. But rather, it's an infight between a national religious person and another national religious person. And this person, the other person being Rabbi Chaimi Nevon, studied here in Yeshivat Haaretzion, who recently put out a small booklet. I didn't read the booklet. That was published by the Kibbutz Adati movement, uh, questioning this concept and uh, bringing in Rabbi Soloveitchik, on the side that uh, it was not Rashid Smichad Gulatainu. I personally remember the experience of reading Kol Dofek, which was Rabbi Soloveitchik's famous Zionist, quote-unquote, speech given in the 1950s, asking us to religiously respond to the creation of the State of Israel positively. But as a student who was studying in B'nai Akiva institutions, in institutions that espoused Rav Cook's ideology, it was clear to me reading Rav Salvechik that he was not formulating things in the way I was used to. Needing to stress the response to the Catholic Church and needing to stress the refuge aspect of the state of Israel, which is understandable, in the aftermath of the Holocaust, but in a vacuum, and as a student who was reading this in the 1990s, one could not ignore the fact that 
Rav Soloveitchik saw very little significance, or at least he didn't stress this in Kol Dofek, to the fact that the Jewish people were living in the land of Israel, per se. And why this was a significant historical event in the continuum of history of the Jewish people. So I just want to raise the question. What a makes us confident when we say Rishit Michad Gulatenu, the beginning of the flowering of our redemption. Why is this important? Do we know? Do we not know? Rav Rosen claimed it's important as far as how we act towards things. If uh, one is feeling that they're part of a redemptive process, they act in a certain way, they act more dedicated. As he, as he questioned, would people questioning between moving to Israel or not moving to Israel, serving in the army or not serving in the army, act differently if they feel that they're part of a redemptive process or not? In other words, our actions will result in how we view the reality we're living in. There's no disagreement about the opportunity that the State of Israel has placed before the Jewish people. But the question is, the redemptive quality. What is, what is The question is, then we have to ask ourselves, what is redemption? Redemption is being saved. Being saved from some sort of suffering. And redemption then can come in different shapes and sizes. One can be redeemed constantly. The nation can be redeemed in bits and pieces. They can be saved at different places at different times. What we're talking about then when we talk about Rishitz Michad Ulateinu is the final redemption, a more grander, a grander redemption. Because we can talk about Geulot in Galut throughout the, the periods, if the Jews were threatened and they were saved, Purim as a, as a type of Geulah as well. As Purim we were saved from Haman's decree. But we wouldn't call that the Geulah, a Geulah. Is it necessary to talk about in terms of Gula? Do we have to identify the state of Israel as Rashid Michad Gula Tenu in order to recognize its significance, in order to motivate us in our actions? I was certainly brought up in the fact that it was, it is, the famous Gemara in Sanhedrin which discusses the the words of the prophet Yechezkel, and how the Gemara interprets those words, that when the land of Israel is blooming again, after being desolate for so many years, there's no greater sign of redemption than that. Certainly, the Jewish people coming en masse 
to the land of Israel after so many years in exile, blossoming the land, building it into a state. It feels like redemption. It smells like redemption. It feels like the process of redemption. That's what one would envision has to happen in advance of building the Beit HaMikdash, the Mashiach coming, being free of... Uh, of the of of enemies for for good, you know, this is what would be part of the process per se. There's no other way the process could happen if, unless you believe in uh, uh, a Satmar approach where boom one day Mashiach comes, we all move to Israel and Beit Hamikdash is built. As Zionist, we believe in a process. So the process of the Jewish people being redeemed has to begin with the Jewish people returning to the land, building the state having struggles, but moving forward. So it seems almost, I would say, factually, yes, this is the beginning of the Gula. Of course, what, then one could argue, well, when does the process start? Does the process start in 1948 on Hei when Ben-Gurion declares the independence of the State of Israel? Maybe it starts with the early Aliyot. To that I answer, in Hachinami. Of course, yes, you could say that, that the, the, the process that we're describing here starts much earlier, we're talking about the upswing of the process, not the downswing. You could talk about pogroms that led to the movements and things like that, but of course a pogrom is not a beginning of a, of a, of a redemptive process. A pogrom is a negative process. But again, a process by its definition is a fluid thing, and therefore it's always going to be difficult to determine where a process starts, because a good process can always begin with something bad happening, which makes the process begin in the positive swing. And you can ask yourself where exactly the process starts. Of course, there were significant changes on the, when the Jewish people declared a state in the land of Israel. And this is a much bigger step than few hundred or a few thousand Jews moving over the time periods in the 1800s and 1900s without diminishing their accomplishments. This is what they were striving to achieve. The opportunity and the responsibility that faces us being here should not be confused with calling Medinat Yisrael Rishit Michad Gulatenu. That is to say, just because we're on a redemptive process doesn't mean there are not going to be downs along with the ups. It doesn't mean we can't lose something that we've achieved. There's no promise that Gula means a one-way street upwards. And though in certain sects you'll hear that there can never the Jewish people could never be banished again from the land of Israel, there's something alluded to of Herzog, second chief, Ashkenazi chief rabbi of the state of Israel, but Halavai he's right and Halavai this is true. But we see that processes of up and da- ups and downs, and even if we believe that the United Israel is Rashid Smichad Gulatenu. That's not a 
lottery ticket where we've won enough money to put away in the bank for the rest of our lives, take care of our families, we don't have to think too much now. There's ongoing challenges and ongoing processes. If anybody sits on their laurels and thinking, ah, Rishitz Michad Gulatenu, what me worry, that's, that's the, the wrong attitude to have. So in my opinion, the question is, is it Gula or not? Do you want to call it something else? As long as one, on the one hand, those who do not want to call it Gula, but they'll be motivated to move to Israel and to help Israel move forward because that's their moral responsibility as Jews to do so, then call it what you want. If you're going to be dedicated to moving the state in a moral, proper direction, you're going to be dedicated to serve the country and serve the nation, whether it's in the IDF or in other other ways, then call the State of Israel what you want. And I think you can say Halal and Yom Atzmud and Halal and Yom Yerushalayim because of the redemptive qualities of those days, even if it's not part of the process of the Geula Shlema. And if you want to call it Geula, and Rishit Michad Geula Teinu, which I personally identify with, I can't call it any other way, I don't see how we could call it anything else, but that shouldn't make us act overconfidently without looking to what the right thing is to do in any given moment. It shouldn't give us an allowance to act irresponsibly because this is Rashid Mikhad Gulatainu. We have a blank check, we can do whatever we want. And I think that is what we should address more than the names that we call but what our responsibilities are. And that's really what's at the core of this discussion, is calling it Gula may lead it to these sets of actions that are negative. Not calling it Gula might lead to these sets of actions that are negative. So all this is true. We have to understand that the names we call something might lead us to certain conclusions, and that we should always be led to our conclusions by what is the right thing and not by what we assume should be the result of a certain name or a certain identification of something. Food for thought for this Yom Yerushalayim, the 43rd year that Yerushalayim is in Jewish hands after 2,000 years of Galut. Shabbat Shalom, and I'll take the opportunity also to wish you a Chag Shavuot Sameach. We will meet after... Shavuot. Be well.